What's going on, guys? You know what time it is. We are going to be doing the West Memphis 3. If you guys don't know what the West Memphis 3 murders are, um, it is actually known as the Robin Hood Hills murders as well. Uh, this is Odd Pods with the Odd Broad, joined by... Golden Matthew. And today we are doing the West Memphis 3. For those of you guys who don't know who that is, what that is, it's a crime committed by three men. Damien Eccles, Jesse Miss Kelly Jr., and Jason Baldwin... Out of the three, one of them was sentenced to death. This is, they were sentenced in the 94 of the 93 murders of three young boys. Uh, so, here we are. Do, okay, I'm gonna be reading you guys this. So I got my information from Wikipedia and Murderpedia. I also have the book Devil's Knot. And I don't have the book with me right now because I forgot it and I brought my coloring book, so. <laughs> coloring was more important than that. If she suddenly gets distracted, she's coloring. Yeah, don't mind me, guys. I her attention. All right. So the West Memphis Three are three. Uh, are the uh, what three men convicted as teenagers in '94 of the '93 murders um, of three eight-year-old boys? Let's see. Um, Damien Eccles was sentenced to death. JC, JC, Jesse, fucking, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Jesse Miss Kelly Jr. was sentenced to life in prison, plus tw a 20 year, two 20 year sentences. Uh, let's see, and just Jason Baldwin was uh, sentenced to life in prison. During the trial, the prosecution asserted that the juveniles killed the children as part of a satanic ritual. So I'm gonna take a pause with the cause there and. Uh, say, you know, like, say what I'm gonna say about this. During the 90s and, um, early 90s and early 2000s, there was, like, a whole satanic panic thing going on. So you have, like, the, um, the satanic murderers. People say that, like, you know, because they wore black, they listened to heavy metal, they were, like, outcasts, that they were Satan worshippers of some sorts. And that's kind of one of the big stigmas of people, like, in small towns, like, where they were from i mean the small town i was from that's where they would say shit to me like oh my god she worships the devil she's all in black what the hell's wrong with her and that's just saying speaking in general i mean you can't be from a small town and wear black because people will think you're fucking weird automatically which is sadly the truth all right here we go Due to the dubious nature of the evidence as well as the sus suspected presence of emotional bias in court, the case generated widespread controversy and was the subject to several documentaries. Celebrities and musicians have held fundraisers to support efforts to free the men. Um, who are those celebrities? I want to know. Will they actually be mentioned? I don't know, maybe. In July 2007, the new forensic uh, evidence was presented, a report jointly issued by the state and defense. Team stated, although most of the genetic material recovered from the scene was attributable to the victims of the offenses, some of it cannot be attributed to either the victims or the defendants. Uh, following a 2010 decision by the Arkansas Supreme Court regarding newly produced DNA evidence and potential juror misconduct, the West Memphis Three negotiated a plea bargain with prosecutors. On August 19th, 2011, they entered an Alford plea. Do you know what an Alford plea is? No, I'll read it to you again. I had to re—I had to re-record, guys, because the damn thing stopped. <laughs> okay. 
yeah, might have been a good, really good thing. An Alfred plea is called also called a Kennedy plea. In West Virginia, a, gu- a Alfred guilty plea and the Alfred doctrine in United States law is a guilty plea in criminal court whereby a defendant in a criminal case does not admit to criminal acts and asserts innocence. In entering the Alfred plea, the defendant admits that the evidence presented by the prosecution will be likely to persuade a judge or jury to find a guilty defendant guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Alfred pleas are legally permissible in nearly all U.S. federal courts, but are not allowed in the state courts in Indiana, Michigan, and New Jersey, or in the courts of the United States Armed Forces. That's what an Alfred plea is. Okay, which allowed them to assert their innocence while acknowledging that the prosecutors have enough evidence to convict them. Judge David Laser accepted the pleas and the sentence to the three t- three to time served. They were released into th- um within ten years, with ten years suspended sentences, having eight- served eighteen years. So they were already in prison for a long time until two thousand and eleven. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of fucked up, huh? like. I mean, what is the fuck about the situation? Everything's fucked about the situation. Exactly. I mean, the fact that, you know, they were like, okay. You know, they had to they had to enter the plea of, like, of the Alfred plea and all this other shit. But still, there was evidence, but then they I want to know why these boys were targeted. Why them? Like, what was so... Here's a better question. It's the area they grew up in, a small town. True. Hold on, guys. I'm coloring the line right here. I'm coloring. Color. I'm coloring, guys. Coloring is a great stress reliever. <laughs> the crime. Here we are doing the crime. On May 5th, 1993, three eight-year-old boys, Steve Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers, were reported missing in West Memphis, Arkansas. The first report to the police was made by Byers' adoptive father, John Mark Byers. Around 7 p.m., the boys were allegedly last seen together by three neighbors, with who in affidavits told of them seeing um, playing together around 6.30 p.m. At the evening, they disappeared, and they then seen Terry Hobbs, Steve Branch's stepfather, calling to them to come home. Initial police searches made that night were limited. Friends and neighbors were also conducted a search that night which included a cursory visit to the location where the bodies were later found. More thorough uh, police search for children began around 8 a.m. on May 6th, which led the uh, Criticism County search and rescue personnel. Searchers were canvassed all of West Memphis, but focused primarily on Robin Hood Hills, where the boys were reported last seen. Despite a shoulder-to-shoulder search of Robin Hood Hills by a human chain, searchers found no sign of, missing, of the missing boys. Around 1.45 p.m., juvenile parole officer Steve Jones spotted a boy's black shoe floating in a muddy creek that led to a major drainage canal in Robin Hood Hills. Subsequent search of the ditch revealed that the bodies of the three boys had been stripped naked and were hogtied with their own shoelaces. The right ankles were tied to the right wrist behind their backs and same with their left left arms and legs. Their clothing was found in a creek, some of it twisted around sticks that had been thrust in a muddy ditch bed. The clothing most was most like was mostly turned inside out. I can't talk for shit today. Uh, two pairs of boys' underwear were never recovered. Christopher Byers had lacerations to various parts of his body, and also he had uh, mutilation. 
of his uh, scrotum and penis, so he was bo- his body was mutilated sexually. Um, the autopsies by forensic pathologist Frank J. Peretti indicated that Byers had died of multiple injuries, while Moore and Branch died of multiple injuries with drowning. So, out of the three children, one of them was just basically um, mutilated and probably just cut up, left to bleed to death, while the other two were beat up and drowned. Police initially suspected the boys had been raped. However, later expert testimonies disputed this finding. Trace amounts of sperm DNA were found on the pair of pants recovered from the scene. Prosecution experts claimed Byers' wounds were the result of a knife attack that he had been purposely castrated by the murderer. Defense experts claimed that the injuries were most likely the result of post-mortem, post-mortem animal predation as um, police believed that the boys were assaulted and killed um, at the location they were found, critics argued that the assault, at least, were unlike- was unlikely to have occurred at the creek. So, one, it's definitely a small town. Yeah, definitely a small town. Byers was the only victim with drugs in his system. He was prescribed Ritalin in January '93 as part of the treatment for his ADHD. Um, the initial autopsy report describes the drug as carbamazepine. As a dosage with a sub-therapeutic uh, level, his father said Byers had not taken his prescription on the 5th. So he had trace, uh, trace evidence of Ritalin in his body, but he did not take his prescription that day, the day of when he went missing. I mean, it's really fucked. Of course, the situation was completely fucked. Poor babies. I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably go on, on a damn murder spree myself looking for who killed my child. You know, I would turn, let no leave unstoned to it turned out. Unturned and all this shit. People are hella fuck these days, dude. I mean, you see like the sickos we have, like we have people in the deep web talking shit, doing shit to kids. Yeah, people, human trafficking children. Yeah, people selling their fucking kids for to God knows who. And this is in 93, though. This is in 93. The kind of, like, makes you, like, think, what the fuck is wrong with people in general to be doing this shit early? Early on in the years. I mean, you have Albert Fish, who was the serial child serial killer. You have, uh, who else? A lot of fucked up people. Yeah. Very loud. Oh, I feel so good right now. I just got fresh ink, guys, and I had to put my A&D cream on because my shit was drying. Oh, it's itchy. Now it's not itchy no more, but oh, that is a that that's a feeling of pure ah. Uh, <laughs> pure happiness. Oh my god, dude! I got fresh ink, and that shit feels good. Shout out to Joshua Joshua Larkins Tattoo at uh, King of Hearts Tattoo Parlor. That's on um, Maryland Parkway. Shit was it was so good getting ink though. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Another right. thing, though, is since it's a small town, they could have just been different. Exactly. All right. Here we go. These are, we're going to be reading into the victims. Um, Steve Edward Branch, Christopher Byers, and Michael Moore were all second graders at Weaver Elementary School. Each had received the rank of Wolf in the local Cub Scout pack and were best friends. This is, uh, we're just going to be reading like the small things that they have for all that. 
And then, um, here we go. Woo. Steve Branch was the son of Stephen and Pamela Branch, who divorced when he was an infant. His mother was awarded custody, then later remarried. Terry Hobbs Branch was eight years old, four feet tall. Uh, four feet, uh, yeah, four feet tall. Weighed 65 pounds, had blonde hair, and was last seen wearing blue jeans and a white t-shirt. Riding a black and red bicycle, he was an honor student. He lived with his mother, Pamela Hobbs, his stepfather, stepfather Terry Hobbs, and his four-year-old, four-year-old half-sister uh, Amanda. Steve Edward Branch was buried in Mount Zion Cemetery in Steele, Missouri. Christopher Mark Byers. Christopher Byers was born to Melissa DeFere and Rick Murray. His parents divorced when he was four years old. Shortly after, his mother had married John Marks Byers, who adopted the boy. Byers was eight years old, four foot tall, weighed 52 pounds, and had light brown hair. He was last seen wearing blue, dark blue, uh, blue jeans, dark shoes, and wearing a long white long sleeve shirt. He lived with his mother, Sharon, Melissa Byers, his adoptive father, John Marks Byers, and his stepbrother, Sean Ryan Clark age 13 according to his mother christopher was a typical eight-year-old he still believed in the easter bunny and santa claus christopher mark Byers is buried in the forest hill cemetery east memphis in tennessee james michael moore michael moore was the son of todd and diana Mo and dana moore um he was eight years old four foot tall four foot two weighed 55 pounds and had brown hair he was last seen wearing blue pants a blue Scout, uh, blue Boy Scouts of America shirt and had an orange and blue Scout hat. He was seen last seen riding a light green bicycle. Moore enjoyed wearing the Scout uniform even when he was not at meetings. He was considered the leader of the three. He lived with his parents and his nine-year-old sister Dawn. James Michael Moore is buried in Crittenden Memorial Cemetery in Marion, Arkansas. In 94, the memorial was erected for three, the three murder victims. The memorial was located in the playground of Weaver Elementary School in West Memphis, where all three victims were second graders at the time of the crime. In May 2003, for the 20th anniversary of the slayings, the Weaver Elementary School principal, Sheila Grissom, raised funds to refurbish the memorial. All right, so we're going to get into the, the suspects. It's a very small town. Yeah. So here we go, guys. We're going into the, the suspects and match. We're going to read some of the suspects shit. Uh, we're going to go ahead and cut it there and continue tomorrow. Yeah, well, you're, you're going back. Soon. Yeah. All right. At the time of their arrest, Jesse Miss Kelly Jr. was 17 years old. Jason Baldwin was 16 and Damien Eccles was 18. Baldwin and Eccles have been previously arrested for vandalism and shoplifting, respectively, and Miss Ke Miss Kelly had a reputation uh, for his temper and engaging in fistfights with other teenagers at school. Miss Kelly and Eccles had dropped out of high school. However, Baldwin earned high grades and demonstrated a talent for drawing and sketching, and was encouraged by his teachers to study graphic design in college. Eccles and Baldwin were close friends and bonded over their similar tastes in music and fiction. Over their shared distaste for a prevailing cultural climate of the West Memphis situated in a blue belt, Bible belt, Baldwin and Eccles were acquainted with Miss with, with Kelly from school, but were not close friends with him. All right, so we're going to stop for here, and we'll continue tomorrow with the rest of the suspect readings, and then we're going to get into the, the trial, the investigation, the trial, the aftermath, the appeals, the new evidence that were thrown in, 
Um, the family and law enforcement opinions, documentaries, publications, and studies. Also going to go through the defendant's notes and all this other stuff. So it's going to be a multi-parter, guys. Um, with that being said, I'm going to remind you guys, these, these three men were released from prison because of new evidence that was found and the fact that they were not guilty they were considered not guilty regarding the murders because of the uh, the lack of evidence. The jump to conclusion because it was these three boys and they were different. They're differentialities within the community. This is basically what I was getting the vibes off of when I was watching the documentary. Also, but the the there was a lot of people that were that was that were being looked into during the time of the crime. So we're gonna jump into all that when we come back. So. That being said, kiddos, this has been Odd Pods with the Odd Broad, and I was joined by... Golden Matthew. So, see you guys tomorrow. Bye.